Good evening, LCM! Come on now. This evening is May 26th. Can you believe it? May 26th, 2022. You want to know what the title of tonight's message is? Just right off the cuff, right off the bat? B-A-M. The title of tonight's message is B-A-M. Now, we're going to get into that in just a second here. But you guys, are you guys having some fun with us tonight already? When you go through a worship set, just one, just a worship set on a Thursday night, and you hear a threefold witness of what God is going to do and what he's going to accomplish in this body, in this church body, something special is happening tonight in the presence of God and in the midst of all of you. Can I get an amen? Amen. We are intent on having a good time with you throughout this evening. So we want to say in advance that participation is required. That we will not leave you with an alternative. That there will be no one in the back allowed to sleep. No one allowed to slumber. You will not simply sit through this evening. So from Natalie Sutherland all the way to me, all the way from me to Nolan Hewitt, everybody's names are getting engaged tonight. Tonight we are talking to you about B-A-M. Now just to cut to the chase, there are many things that may come to mind with that acronym, but what we mean by it is the biblically adherent male. Saints, this evening we are going to learn to stand up, to stand up proudly, to stand up firmly as the man that God has called us to be. Our Lord is a Lord of wondrous complexity, and his mastery of the universe is to be admired, emulated, and joined by this body in every way. Guys, our pastors on Sunday morning hit the message out of the park. Pastors Wade and Peyton preached an incredible, masterful message. It displayed the holistic nature of God's calling for every single man in the room. Man, and that was as a reflection of Christ. And also for every woman as a reflection of her husband. There was not one person in the entire room that was left out in a dominant message like that one. Guys, we want to start and pick up with you tonight in John chapter 13. Why don't you turn there with us and as you are turning say, B-A-M. Biblically adherent male. John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. All things under his power. Saints, this dominion, this ownership, Jesus knew that he possessed it. He knew that he had it. Despite what was around him, he walked in the authority of God himself. The incredibly humble role that Jesus is about to take in this chapter, it is because he knows that he possesses the dominion of the kingdom of God, that he has the power. He was confident that he owned the world around him. This allowed him to operate in an extreme humility because he was not worried about proving his dominion to the rest. Verse 4 continues on and it says, So he got up from the meal 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Guys, it's only when you know what is within your dominion. Somebody say, my dominion. dominion. Jesus understood the dominion that the Father had placed underneath him. That was the very first thing that we read in the passage, and it is the absolute key to everything else that happens in this chapter and for the rest of the testimony that we have in Jesus' life. Guess what? It's also a key for you and me. Come on. Guys, it's only when you know what is within your dominion, the dominion that God himself has given you, and you're confident of your ownership in those areas, that you have the heart of the Father in your cultivation. Come on. You see, many have tried to cultivate. Many have tried, I'm going to make this into something, but they don't fully understand their dominion. So their cultivation of whatever God has given them, it falls flat on its face. It's full of errors. It's more difficult than it should be because dominion did not get right. Tonight we're talking about dominion and we're going to get this right together. When you have taken full ownership, I'm talking about full responsibility of those entrusted to you, and then you're intentional with your cultivation, guys, at that point, every single act that you're performing has more impact than just what those few moments should be able to produce. It becomes supernatural and charged with the power of God. Guys, Jesus himself was cultivating in this passage. He was being intentional with his disciples. What did it produce? Oh, yeah, it's, it's producing what we're getting to enjoy right now. What we're enjoying tonight is the, pr- the product of Jesus' cultivation. It's producing an abundant harvest in his disciples and in us even to this day. We've been speaking to you guys about five attributes. We want to come right out the gate tonight and say, these five attributes, they are not mutually exclusive. You cannot separate them out from one another. Nope. No, they're all connected with one another. They all work together. They're not five separate categories. They're five steps that lead right into one another. And Jesus himself in John 13 proves that to us because he shows us that dominion leads right into cultivation. Somebody say, you may not not. separate them. Saints, you know very well we live in a world that would like to put you in a box, put you in a category. The Bible itself displays men as far more complex than this modern day would like to suggest. It doesn't seem like a coincidence that our God is speaking to us about the dimming of the lights that are coming, about the actual governmental changes that are happening on the earth, at the same time that he's speaking to us about how to be the men and women of God that we're called to be. We'd like to jump down to verse 12 with you as we continue. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. Now, maybe it was just me, but I was intensely struck as Pastor Wade and Pastor Parsons were sharing about this specific passage. 
When I'm doing something for someone, I'm happy for it to be sacrificial as long as they understand what I'm doing for them. Jesus, on the other hand, often speaks to us about things that we do not yet understand, but he knows that we will need. Well, this has been the case this evening from the first set of worship all the way up to this point. We are growing in our understanding. But long before this moment, before this evening, he began to prepare us for what was ahead. Look, when you're reading this passage, you need to catch the fact that Jesus was demonstrating intentional cultivation. He was both working and caring for his disciples. And he does this with the low man on the totem pole position. He's the one washing their feet, and they do not understand what he is doing for them. But Jesus does this without losing his place of dominion and his place of ownership. See, who he is and what belongs to him from the Father is secure and does not move. He is standing in his ownership, and therefore he is able to serve and cultivate them. See, these subject matters are not in conflict with one another, but they are in conflict in the sinful mind and in the sinful man. One man says that you must dominate and it's not possible to serve. Another says you must serve and you cannot dominate. But our Lord presents a perfect example of what communion between these attributes in one human being should be like. Now remember, as he's doing this, they did not understand yet, but they would later. We're going to go ahead and pick up in verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Man, I loved this passage from Sunday morning, didn't you? The disciples, they're the ones out of their mouth. They said, teacher and Lord, referring to Jesus. Jorge, isn't that a good phrase, teacher and Lord, referring to Jesus? Absolutely. It's a great phrase. But we learned on Sunday from our pastors that Jesus corrects the order for his disciples. He switches the order. And he says, I am your Lord, your dominion, your lordship, and your teacher. And your cultivator. He switched the order because that is the order that the passage and Jesus' actions present it as. Guys, dominion always comes before cultivation. Jesus not only properly aligned the order, he also defined his dominion for us as his lordship. Those two are synonymous with one another. Dominion and lordship, we're talking about the same thing. So husbands in the room. Don't we love, man, you guys are going to love this example. Don't we love when our wives look at us and say, cultivate me, baby, cultivate me, baby, cultivate me, baby. Don't oh, we no, love no, no, that? No, no, no. We, we're not taking three husbands out of the room. Cody loves when his wife says, cultivate me, baby. Are the rest of you just asexual? You have no interest in your wife? No, you are designed to lead your wife well in love that she wants you to cultivate her, and it is supposed to be a relationship. Are you awake tonight? Yeah. Do you want to stay married in this house? Yeah. Then I suggest you wake up and listen when we're talking about cultivating your spouse. Man, husbands, that should cause something to rise inside of you. All right, wives, turn to your husbands in the room and say, cultivate me, baby. 
Man, that's what I'm talking about right there. Guys, this is an excellent practice in our own homes, and trust me, we have put this to practice in our own home. You can, t- you can take that to the bank. But remember something. Cultivation comes after dominion. That's what we just read in John 13, right? So first, we are looking for our wives to see Christ's dominion in our own lives so that they can look at us and call us Lord, just like Sarah did with her husband. So wives, look at your husbands again and say, I love you, my Lord. I love you, my Lord, comes before cultivate me, baby, cultivate me, baby, cultivate me, baby. When we get the order right, then shalom in our home starts really getting right. Let me tell you, really, it gets right, guys. Husbands, when you are first in shalom, because your lordship is established in your home, then that phrase, cultivate me, baby, means what it actually was intended to mean. These five traits of holy masculinity that we've been going over, that were taught to us on Sunday, each one is connected with one another, and they cannot be done alone. Which means that tonight we're going to lay a foundation for you that begins in dominion. Dominion, as Jesus demonstrates it, is the very first step to being able to cultivate something. In the coming weeks, we will continue to build on these concepts and cover cultivation in depth. Saviors in depth, sages in depth, and finally, glory bearers in depth. But the reality is, the biggest challenging facing many of us is that we have heard about dominion. We have heard about ownership. But it's the least demonstrated area of our own lives. We often walk around acting like it's happenstance what is going on, what is happening as a result of stimuli around us rather than recognizing the dominion, the ownership, or lordship that God has appointed us to. If we can learn to understand dominion, if we can learn to understand ownership, or as Jesus himself put it, lordship, then we have not only a hope, but a certainty of being able to cultivate in the way that God has called us to, to being saviors in and of ourselves in the same way that our father was to being genuine sages on the earth that are filled with wisdom that has been put into practice and rightly bearing the glory of God. We would like to jump in with you at Revelation 19, verse 13, as we begin. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Who are we speaking of, saints? The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Saints, this is the biblical depiction of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His robe is dipped in blood, not the blood of roses, not the blood of grapes, not the blood of the lamb, but the blood of his enemies. Armies are following him, not fat naked babies with harps. (laughs) He has a sword that is in his hand. 
And it's not just the proverbial living and active sword that is the word of God. It's a sword to strike down the nations with. He carries out the fury of God Almighty's wrath. I want you to begin to interact with an imagery that you've heard again and again and again, but have not readily understood. The God from which our dominion, our ownership, and most specifically our lordship stems from is one that is a king of kings and lord of lords. He is spattered and clad in his decorum with the blood of his enemies and armies are surrounding him and following him. The way that we think about our God is often skewed and it needs to grow up according to the biblical standard. Jesus is not walking around crying over a lamb. He's not singing Psalm 23 here. He is standing as the owner, the dominion, the Lord of all the earth. Saints, we're facing a reality every day that things are getting darker around us. And we often quiver and shake and think about how difficult it will be. The message that we proclaim is one of a God who is Lord of all. And the darkness that is coming with him and the storm clouds of the south, that is what men should cower before. That is what men should bend their knees before. That is what men should repent now because of. And that is what we are to represent. Guys, we've been preaching a lot about farming lately. We've been preaching some about shepherding lately. Guys, we w tonight we wanted to get down to the brass tacks of the matter. Down to the actual foundation of what we are trying to instill in this body. I got a question. It said in the scripture that we just read that Jesus is the king of kings. And it also said that Jesus was the Lord of Lords. We've been studying about farming and shepherding, and rightly so. But the foundation of those things is your lordship, your kingship. You see, we just read the 19th chapter of Revelation together, and we saw the foundation that Jesus laid about his own lordship and what it looks like. What he looked like when he got ownership, lordship over the things that the Father said that belonged to him. And guys, he is the king of us reflecting that kind of kingship in our own lives. He is the lord of us reflecting that kind of lordship. When we get this right... When we get his perspective correct in our own lives and in our families and in every area, there is nothing that will stop us from being good farmers. There's nothing that will stop us from being good shepherds because this is the basis of getting it right, right here. Considering the fact that I was one of the men that preached international harvesters, I think it's worth asking you, does it say he is the king of farmers? No. Does it say he's the lord of shepherds? See, a king by necessity has agricultural knowledge and often practice in agricultural fields. The ability to run a kingdom means you must be intimately familiar with the agricultural cycle. But a king is not defined by his farming practices. He's defined by his lordship over the earth and what he grows in, what he's capable of is agriculture because it's what his land needs. A lord like David by necessity has animal husbandry within his repertoire. But his defining characteristic, through his dominion, his ownership, in a most strictly biblical sense, is his lordship. So we want to talk about being good farmers. 
being good shepherds, being good overseers of your home, of God's house and the things that are around you. It begins by the dominion that he's given you. When you have dominion, when you have lordship, then you become equipped in many areas. We serve the king of kings and lord of lords. Not anything different and not anything less. The lordship of heaven is where our lordship flows from. We are to be a reflection of him. Fully grasping, practicing, residing in, biblically adhering to the masculine lordship is step one in being the man God has called you to be. All other trades, all other practices, they all flow from one singular source, the very first step, reflecting his lordship in the land he has put you in. He will not be the lord of anything less. He will not be your king. He will not be your lord and will not be your God if you are not a lord yourself. You must first practice dominion, practice ownership, dominate what God has entrusted to you so that every other thing you do hinges upon and stems from his dominion in you being extended to the earth. So as we get into this message with you, (laughs) I want to point you back to our introduction. You might have had a fleeting thought about our title, like, ooh, B-A-M? What, what is that supposed to mean? Or B-A-M, I know exactly what that means. We, we want to clear up any confusion that you might have had regarding this title. Tonight, we are not, somebody say we are not. We are not. We are not going to speak to you about a man with a below average mentality. That's not what we're speaking about tonight, okay? Just, just to clear that up in case you had some stray thoughts at the beginning. Well, this is a common slang term that you might hear maybe walking through the streets of downtown Houston at night. This is not our mentality tonight, or any night for that matter, praise God. And we certainly are not going to add an F to the end of our title tonight. Although we do have some of those bad donkeys sitting among us. No, that's not where we're going tonight, though, guys. Saints, you should remember. You should remember a message that was preached in 2018. It was entitled, Patriarchal Power and Toxic Masculinity. Man, do we love provocative titles at LCM. This message was preached by our two fathers. And I don't mean fathers in the general sense. I mean our two biological fathers. And what they were instilling into us four years ago could not be any more pertinent for us today. They said that today it has become popular to criticize patriarchal roles. The world and the worldly church seems to have come to the conclusion that masculinity is the root of all evils. Not only is masculinity not toxic, it is in fact the cure to much of the spiritual and social chaos around us. They started from an important assumption in their message. Namely that you've learned as they had to properly define the measure of a man. They said, when we say the term real man, we're referring to a man who is submitted to the Almighty God, who is led by the Holy Spirit, and who is head over heels in love with Jesus Christ. Now, for the purpose of their discussion that day and the purpose of our discussion today, we're not going to be covering the mythical male. You know what we're talking about. The one who brutally abuses his children. The one who subjugates his wife. The male that's out there somewhere. 
No, in 24 years that they had been in spirit-filled churches, those things had been non-existent. But they're used as a fear tactic, much like the chupacabra. Watch out for the chupacabra. Or the boogeyman. Oh, he could get you. The abominable snowman, which probably turned into the abominable person, which then transitioned to the abominable woman because we need equity in that category for some reason. No, seriously. Guys, tonight, we're going to take after our fathers. We're simply going to assume godly behavior is the norm in the body of Christ. Much in the same way that that message was preached, this evening will be aimed at you being a B-A-M, a biblically adherent man, a man who wishes to be holy or die trying. We've gone ahead and inferred that you're not looking to hide sin, that you haven't continued to show up here because you want to stay the same. You desire to be a biblically adherent man, not one of those whimpering eunuchs called modern males or dumb, pride-driven animal. You are called to be a Lord in light of the Lord of Lords. Saints, the two of us particularly can preach to the unrepentant all night long. In fact, we enjoy it. But we believe preparing you to be the Lords that he has called you to be is the best hope that this lost and dying world actually has. (laughs) So that sermon, entitled Patriarchal Power and Toxic Masculinity, It largely centered around the lives of the patriarchs and David, the Lord of Israel, as his son Solomon transitioned into power. As a refresher, we're going to pick up in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, and we're going to start in verse 9, say B-A-M as you're turning there. Verse 9 says, And you, my son Solomon, Acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you To build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Saints, we have a slide for you that came from that sermon. These are seven traits of dominion or lordship. This is a father speaking to his son who is to become the Lord of all Israel. And he begins to describe what it looks like to have dominion. To acknowledge the God of your father. The one from whom all lordship extends. And your thoughts and your mind acknowledge his dominion. Number two, serve wholeheartedly. Serve in what way? He's the king. Is he supposed to be mopping the floors? Are you going to talk to me? Is the king supposed to be mopping the floors? Serve him how? To serve him by extending his lordship, his dominion into the earth. To cultivate a mind that was not only not in opposition, but willing desirous of God's lordship as it related to the people that were entrusted to Solomon. Four, a purifying of motives, that all other direction, that all other desires would be eliminated and that a pure desire for the kingdom of God, the lordship of God to be imposed on the land. Now, Solomon, did he leave Israel's borders uh, exactly as they were before he came in? No, No, he expanded them. 
He built them. He cultivated Israel into the jewel of the world as called the Solomonic Age. But every bit of this began with him taking dominion as his father and as God showed him. Our next one was seeking him in every situation. Thanks, we want to tell you this evening that to begin to cultivate dominion, it is no longer acceptable for us to lay it down sometimes and stick with appeasement. It's not okay for us just to have a compromise. God has called us to seek an extension of his dominion and his lordship in every situation. To build his lordship, to build his dominion on the earth through you is a reflection of him. It requires that we build. Not that we have lordship for a moment, but that we actually set stones in place that are on top of what God has directed. Lasting memorials, places that others can seek the one true God. And seven, that we be strong and do the work of lordship on the earth. Saints, we're beginning to cultivate an idea of how complex and yet simple it is to operate in lordship. This is one man telling his son how to be a lord of the earth. Every man in this room, you were called to operate in dominion and ownership and biblically speaking in lordship as an extension of Yahweh himself. We want to talk about the father. We want to talk about David here for a moment. Talk about his life and how it is that he got to these points right here. What was the testimony of his life in operating in dominion? What did it look like? How did it affect his son? How did it affect the things that he passed down to his son after him? Guys, the first one that we want to talk about is the fact that David never took dominion where it did not belong. He never grabbed something that didn't belong to him. You see, remember back to those times where he was persecuted by Saul, where he had a chance to kill Saul and take his dominion before it was time, and he refused to, even if it caused him persecution and suffering. What about the, the king being king over Hebron for many years before he actually was given the kingship over the entire nation of Israel? Guys, he never took dominion over all of Israel until it was God's destiny, God's timing for him to take that dominion. Guys, what about David never seizing any dominion before it was actually handed to him by the Father? David made no apologies. David made no excuses. David made no abdications once it was placed in his hands. See, we often are caught between these two things and on the wrong side of the coin on both accounts. We have single men in this room that wish to be married and act like they are. We have men who are married and like to abdicate their responsibility as if they were single. But we're speaking about David. David made no apologies. I want you to consider that David didn't ask permission to drive out the Jebusites that were in the center of Jerusalem. He didn't ask what they thought about it. They were in his land and he was lord of the land it was within his dominion and it was in a sensitive center point but he exercised his lordship over it you've heard messages about how david did not ask permission to build out the outer lying terraces these areas that were on the borders of his dominion but still very much so within his dominion he exercised his lordship on the center and the outer lying areas Everything that God had given him, 
David did not ask permission to expand Israelite territory, not in any field, not in plunder, not in livestock that God had destined Israel for or had assigned to David personally. He went after it, and he exercised dominion over it. What about the fact that David had the counsel of a small group of men? Remember that small group of men? It was made up of wise men, made up of priests, made up of generals, made up of elders, even made up of prophets. This was David's small council of men, and he, didn't, he used that small group of wise counsel. But let us tell you what this small group was not for a second. This small group did not look like a polling bureau where cast your vote into the center and, you know, if it's five verse four or whatever that looks like, then I'll go forward or I won't. That's not what it looked like. It was also not a general consensus of what the people wanted. I'm just going to throw it out there and whatever the people decide that they want, that's the direction that we're going to go. No, he did not throw his decisions out there and commit it to a general vote. He had God-ordained men in his life, men that the Lord had placed in his life that he submitted his dominion to and asked them for wise counsel, and that was the key to David's success. Somebody say, Lordship, Lordship. Of, my land. of my land. Do it again. Lordship, Lordship. Of, my land. of my land. See, there's a reason we operate in teams. You are not allowed by God to consult the land as to how it feels about your lordship. You are required by God to operate in holy, righteous teams of equally masculine men that are priests, that are prophets, that are elders, that are men that are able and willing to correct you boldface. But when you do that correctly, you're beginning to represent God's lordship on the earth. See, there's compounding revelations that he's been giving us. He's been showing us how to operate in teams, been showing us how to cultivate the ground that we're in and showing us how we stand in dominion with one another. I'd like to give you a practical example because messages like this tend to feel a little bit like a resounding gong at times. You recognize the slide when we started and you're like, yes, I know the five. Ah, they're talking about dominion tonight. I wonder how many scriptures are going to repeat in a row. Our desire tonight is that you understand what it actually looks like to have lordship in the land he's given you. So you ready for a practical example? Practical example that'll make you go awe. Practical example that may make you like me less, but one that will be practical nonetheless. So some of you may know the Stevens adopted a little dog named Baloo. Those of you that don't know, Baloo's taken from Jungle Book, the uh, little gray bear inside of the Disney film. Aww. What most people don't know is that uh, Jungle Book was written by a man named Rudyard Kempley. They wrote some of the most extraordinary poems and psalms. Now, what we did is we consulted a very small group of pastors, elders, as to whether or not this little entity was supposed to be within our dominion. When it was firmly decided that it was within our dominion, do you know what I did not do? I did not ask this little dog whether or not it wanted 35 shots after coming off the street. <laughs> Why? 
because I am Lord over this little entity. This little entity has now been entrusted to me, and whether it thinks the shots at the vet are pleasant or not, I'm enforcing my lordship. Can you understand how important it would be not to take lordship where God hasn't given it? Because if I took your dog and gave it 35 shots, you and I might have a problem. You know what else I did? I did something that some of you may or may not be a fan of. I had his ears cropped. I had his ears cut and sewn up into a shape that I desired. Some people love that. Some people don't. This is a little image of how we found him. He was actually pretty mangy at the time. Had all kinds of spots and sores and things that were on top of him. And we began the process of removing these things. Removing fleas, ticks, things that were not, pain, were not pleasant to get rid of, but rather painful. Once again, at every point in time, Baloo did not appreciate an ounce of this. But he was within my dominion. He was in the land that I am Lord of. We didn't look for a popular vote about whether or not to crop his ears. In fact, if I took a popular vote in here, many of you wouldn't like it. His sleep, when he is allowed to rest and when he is not allowed to rest. I dictate because I'm Lord over his life. What he eats might disgust some of you, but I dictate exactly what he eats because I'm concerned with his growth path. His supplements, some of them he enjoys, some he hates, but he eats them nonetheless because I am Lord and he is in my land. His exercise and obedience routine, once again, are dictated by me because I am Lord and he is in my land. Saints, let me ask you, how content are you with the potential of the things that are within your land? See, as aggressive as some of it may be, if you watch me train a dog, it may make some of you tear up a little bit. I'm not satisfied with anything that is in my land reaching less than its full potential. Why? Because it's mine. And I love it because God gave it to me and made me lord over it. I have another photo for you. This one is after going through the process of shots, ear cropping, intense training, a reworking of food, and he's now integrated and part of the family. Grown maybe five, six times the size. Doing great, running all around the beach. Something that uh, is easier to grasp about this particular practical scenario is that you all know that a dog doesn't like shots. You all know that a dog may not want to do everything that you ask. But what can you clearly see? Going from a gutter, being a gutter rat, has his life improved? Look at the photo. Tell me what you think. Do you think it's improved? See, we often shudder at the aspects of lordship that actually produce life. We like the outcome. We like the end result. But we don't like the areas of lordship that are far more intense. So Nick's going to help us out with this in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 12 through 14. You're going to want to turn to this one. Guys, as you turn, say B-A-M with us. Biblically adherent male. Baloo is an excellent example of lordship and dominion working in his life. We want to give you 
a totally different kind of example from 2 Corinthians 10. One that you guys have definitely heard before, but one that you also didn't really understand. And we are praying that you get a greater revelation about this passage with us tonight. Verse 12 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Who's writing this letter, by the way? Okay, Paul and his... Oh, yeah, come on. Paul and his small, tight group of companions, right? When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, all right, listen up now. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. Guys, they're confining their boasting to the sphere, the area of dominion that God himself has given to them. A sphere that also includes you. Praise God for that. We are not going too far in our boasting. That is just like the character of David that we talked about earlier. As would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Guys, the lordship of Paul here and his companions, it is valid because the Lord himself assigned dominion and lordship over that area for Paul and his companions. But is Corinth responding with roses or flying colors to the dominion and lordship of Paul in this letter? As you read Not through at this point. No, as you read through 2 Corinthians, you can see, whoa, they're kind of they're bucking this God-given lordship a little bit. Looks like they're a little bit uneasy with the lordship and dominion that Paul and his companions have. They want the results, but they don't want to go through the process. Ooh. But Paul and his companions rightly understand where their sphere of service lies. And it does indeed include the church at Corinth. Yes, it does. Now, Paul, in this situation, he is not willing to leave them less than their full potential. You can see throughout his letters that he loves this church. He loves them, he loves them, and it's because God has extended his authority, dominion, or lordship over their lives. Saints, I want you to interact with me honestly for a minute. Forget that we're reading just a passage of scripture, but think about this in your day-to-day -day life. As uncomfortable as it makes people because of real or inferred past abuses of authority, the truth is that God made Paul a lord over the churches for their good. In fact, the same church in the very same chapter just a few verses before, Paul speaks of the authority he was given to build them up. He exercises his lordship over the church at Corinth with excellence, which is why he is able to cultivate them. Why he is able to save them. Why he is able to display sagely wisdom that you be benefit from to this day. He built them up and he bore the image and glory of God as he did it. Yeah. And yet, the record that you have is often of the scathing rebukes and letters that he wrote. The elements of lordship over these churches that we are the most uncomfortable with. If we referred to an apostle or a pastor as Lord over churches, it would be taken as a validation that the cult myth about us was completely true. Cult. Think about it. 
So-and-so is a lord over the churches. But biblically speaking, lordship is what every man is called to. Somebody say B. B. A. A. M. M. Biblically adherent males. When you're a lord over something, when you take that ownership that these pastors were speaking of, you truly begin to love it. And you cannot stand to see it become anything less than its full potential. Guys, turn to Psalm 16 with us. As you're turning, you need to understand something. All we're doing is talking about varying levels of dominion and lordship in a man's life. That's all we're doing. We're taking a scale, and we're starting at the bottom, and we're scaling it all the way up, and then we're scaling it all the way down so that you can see and understand and perceive what varying levels of lordship actually look like in the Word of God. Psalm 16 and verse 5 is going to blow your mind tonight. Are you ready? Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at, right, at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We're going to stop there for a second, and I want you to raise your hand if you have ever had a stone from this passage in Psalm 16. Yeah, I'm raising my hand as well. Right here. Thought most of the room would. That is most of the room by far. Now, I have another question for you. I want you to raise your hand if you wrote this stone to combat your sinful desire of looking over the fence, so to speak, at other people's callings and making sure that you stay in your own boundary lines. Yep, that's definitely the majority, by far. Like, by far. In light of what we're speaking about tonight, that is not our goal in reading Psalm 16. Our goal in reading Psalm 16 is not that you would stop looking over the fence and looking at other people's boundary lines and other people's land and other people's dominion and saying, why didn't God give me that? No, church. No, the goal is to look at the boundary lines that God has given you and to rejoice in those boundary lines. The goal is to look at what is in your field, what is in your dominion, what is within your lordship tonight, to look at it and say, oh my goodness, I've been looking over the fence, but what I've been missing out on is all the things that God has given me within my boundary lines. And I've been missing out on their full potential. I've been missing out on their cultivation. I have been missing out on loving them to their full extent like Jesus did in John 13. I've been missing out on an opportunity to cultivate and to take dominion over this area because I love it and I want to take dominion and have lordship over what God has entrusted to me. I'm concerned in that what Nick said, although it was clear, what you heard was, I need to be thankful for the things in my boundary lines. Listen to me, saints. That is a tenth of what we're trying to communicate. What we want to ask you this evening, based upon what Nick just read, how much of your boundary lines have you actually taken dominion over? Do you delight in it? If you love it, if they're pleasant to you, and that is actually the truth in every area of your boundary lines, then it stems from your dominion, your ownership, your lordship of every area 
your workplace, your home, your relationship with your brothers, the things that he's entrusted to you. Now, if there's an area of your boundary lines that you don't love, that you don't find to be pleasant, an area in the corner of your field that you just try not to hang out in as much because it's not your favorite part of what God has allotted to you, well, then all of a sudden you've found an area that you have not enforced your lordship in. For some of you, those are enormous areas. Some of you, they're in your own homes. Some are in your workplaces. But I'm telling you, the only path to the pleasantness of God's allotment is through lordship in every area of what he has allotted to you. Those things should pop in your mind. The things that God has entrusted to me, but those areas that just don't feel quite pleasant to me. That's an area that as men of God, we have to cry out, Lord, show me how to take lordship over the allotment you have given me. Oh, but I hear you. I hear you, Pastor Judah. I hear you, Pastor Nick. But the thing is, is that in this area of my, this stage of my life, I don't have much. It seems like God hasn't given me that much. I, I've got a job and I've got a house and some other brothers or other sisters with me. And I've got a car and that's really it. Look at what you do have. Have you taken dominion over the areas that God has given you? Are you expressing lordship fully over the areas that God has given you in your life? Are you showing the full extent of godly love flowing through you into those areas? What, are, what is their condition tonight as you sit here in this church? What is their condition right now? And what can you do between now and tomorrow to show lordship in those areas? Guys, we're going to continue in verse 9 and we're going to show you what this does for us. Therefore, my heart is glad. Therefore, my tongue rejoices and my body will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. Come on. When you show dominion and lordship over what he's already given you, he opens up your eyes to the pathway that he has you on and he shows you the blessings that he's got for you in your future. He shows you the boundary lines that he's giving to you. You will fill me with joy in your presence, Come on. with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Guys, tonight we want to make sure that you're thinking about the boundary lines that God has actually assigned to you right now. Come on. When we get lordship right, joy is the result. Eternal pleasures at his right hand is the result. Everything lists left on the list, the remaining items, will come to pass when you understand lordship correctly. Saints, we want to paint a picture for you, give you a small sampling quickly of what the scripture explicitly states that you are destined to be lords over. Our first one is Psalm 8, 3 through 7. It says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6, you made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. The works of his hands that he started out with are the moon and the stars, the heavenly realms. Goes on to say, 
all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Psalm 8 clearly depicts that from the heavenly creation down to the earthly creation, he made you to be a Lord over it. Let's take our next one, Psalm 149, 5 through 9. Let the saints rejoice in this honor. Somebody say honor with us. And sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. To inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron. To carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his saints. Praise the Lord. Guys, this is in the future ownership of the saints. This is in the future of all of us who walk the pathway of righteousness. This is in the future dominion of everyone who finishes this race and gets to the point of ruling and reigning with Christ. These things, vengeance on the nations, punishment on the peoples, binding kings and nobles, carrying out their sentence against them, and standing shoulder to shoulder with King Jesus as kings and lords together with him, and it will be for our glory just like it will be for his. Now, I know many of you immediately begin to think, that's great. In the age to come, we will be lords. 1 Corinthians 6, 2-3 says this, do you not know that saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Saints, this wasn't written just to the elders. This was written to the church of Corinth. You are competent to judge the things of your workplace, the things of your home, the trivial matters of this body. You were appointed to be a judge of all creation, including angels. I love Miss Alicia over there. I don't think Miss Alicia woke up this morning, though, thinking about the fact that God has entrusted the judgment of the heavens into her hands. But I'm telling you, that woman is capable of it. That's right. You might need to remind yourself that I am the extension of God's authority here and now. I am an extension of his judgment, and I am competent to do it. Yeah. Our last one in this short string comes from Hebrews 2, 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. Not to angels. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. Guys, is that what we just read about man? Man that is adherent to the Lord? The answer is yes. In putting everything under him, under man, that is adherent to the Lord, under God's dominion, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. That's true. We don't see everything subject to him yet. But verse 9 says, but we see Jesus, the one that has gone before us, the first fruits of dominion, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor 
because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Guys, we are talking about the Lord of lords and the King of kings. What he experienced and the glory that now rests. The dominion that now rests on his shoulders. And the more complete dominion that will rest on his and our shoulders together. We're beginning to identify what it means to be a biblically adherent male. He is Lord of all the earth. The degree to which we adhere to him defines our own lordship. What a glorious destiny we have as saints. Saints of the Most High. Thinking about these things ought to cultivate excitement in you. It ought to highlight the most basic areas that we have God-given dominion and lordship. We want to read 1 Timothy 3 in the Amplified to you. Verse 4, he must rule his own household well. Thanks. Was I the only one that was struck by this alternate translation? No. Keeping his children under control with true dignity, commanding their respect in every way, and keeping them respectful. Saints, you and I know good and well respect is not just an outward motion. It's an inward motion. This requires a kind of supernatural rulership or lordship. Verse 5 goes on to say, For if a man does not know how to rule his own household, he is to take care. How is he to take care of the church of God? Saints, this is one of those verses where quite obviously the NIV doesn't capture it. He must manage his own family well. Like manage the crazy. Keep it contained. In a decent translation, and in this case we're saying the Amplified, captures the concept in Greek much, much better. Timothy talks to us about the most obvious areas assigned to us, where dominion and lordship over our own households, our marriages, and children should be exemplified as an extension of God's absolute authority on the earth. Guys, let me talk about lordship in my own life for a moment. I, I am working to gain ground in complete love and complete lordship in many areas of my own life. Talking about the shop, working with my parents every day, working with Elder Baj and Natalie, incredible. I'm loving it, and I'm learning to grow in lordship over that area of my life. Guys, I'm learning to grow in lordship over all kinds of areas. But what I want to say in light of this Timothy path passage is that it's so easy to look outward but miss the lordship that you're personally missing in your own family. It's so easy to say, yes, no, I have dominion over my job and my workplace. I have dominion over the things that I own, my vehicle. I have dominion. I'm practicing dominion with my brothers and totally miss the primary area of dominion that is your own home, your wife, and your children. Guys, if something is within my dominion, I must not rest with it being less than its full potential because it's mine. It belongs to me. God said, Nick, I am blessing you with a beautiful wife. Nick, I am blessing you with three beautiful children. Nick, I am blessing you with a home and a ministry team. Nick, I am blessing you with these things. I'm loving them, but I'm coming face to face with it, and, and I'm, the reality is, Am I loving them to their full potential? Am I loving them and, and giving dominion over them so that they develop to the fullest potential that God created them to be developed in? As 
What else best applies to this than my own wife? Everybody look at Sam there for a moment. Everybody, yeah, come on. She'll probably get a little red on you. Yes, I am saying that she is godly and beautiful tonight. And I am definitely in love with her. Amen. But she's not perfect yet. Is that correct? Yes. Come on, I... speak to me. She's not perfect yet. So when I brush up against areas that are outside of my dominion, inside of her that are still there, how do I respond to them? Put yourself in my shoes for a second. Do I bitterly fire back at her? Oh, I found a place that's not yet in my dominion. Do I get bitter and just, hey, stop that. Is that how I deal with it? Do I faithlessly shrink away from the challenge? Ooh, that was bad. I'm just going to go over here for a moment. Ooh, let her work that out. Do I willingly ignore the issue? Ooh, yeah, that wasn't good and that wasn't within my dominion, but I'm just going to pretend like that did not happen and let's just keep rolling, all right? Guys, all three of these things I have been guilty of and been guilty of recently. How about you? When you love the dominion that God has given you, when you love what God has placed in your field, guys, the, these action, they, don't, they do not happen in this way. You love it. You're attached to your wife. You're attached to your children. You want to display dominion and lordship in their lives in order to cultivate them in a way that says, you're mine, babe. I love you. God made me Lord over you for your good. And I'm going to make sure that I am cultivating that kind of, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up homiletics here. I'm going to make sure that my dominion and my lordship is firmly established in your life so that I can graduate and cultivate you the way that you deserve. We're in an hour and one minute. And I promise we are coming to a close. But is it all right if I... Uh help connect a few dots for you. So in a field, because we've been using lots of agricultural examples, does the farmer, does the gardener consult the vine as to whether or not it would like to be pruned? Does it matter to the gardener whether it's a good day for it or not? Why? Oh, come on. We've been preaching for an hour and Bim's with me. Why does he not care whether it thinks it's a good day for pruning? Because he's Lord of that field. If there's an oxen that needs to be treated because it's got an infestation, it has a wound, does the livestock manager care whether it wants to be treated now? No, it belongs to him. See, we're really comfortable with that example when we're talking about fields. Really comfortable with that example when we're talking about livestock. But Luke 14 that our pastors walked us through on Sunday did field, livestock, wife. That's how Jesus put the parable. Now let me tell you from my own life, you can clearly see a lack of dominion in me with friends, with disciples, with my own spouse. This assuaged cowardice in me causes me to wait two weeks to address something that I should have addressed on day one. You know what I found? Waiting two weeks for a better time never made it better. In fact, it meant there was more that had to be pruned on the vine. That the weakness, the wound on top of the livestock only got worse. And then I enjoyed 
having to cure it even less? See, we could say that that's just uh, tact or that I'm working to compensate, overcompensate against impulsiveness. But the reality is, it's things that I clearly know are within my allotment. They're my job to handle. But I haven't taken lordship over it. I'd rather it just fix itself. I'd rather somebody else do it. Hey, go talk to Pastor Nick. Our favorite way of avoiding the areas of our allotment are by just boxing them out for a little while. Oh, that'll get better over time. The idea that we're looking over the fence at grass that is greener, and it doesn't start there. Where it starts is you see something that you don't think is green in your allotment. And so rather than wanting to fix it, you start to look for somewhere else to be. Because we act like looking over the fence is the root of the problem. I assure you it's not. It's all of the areas that you don't have lordship in your own life. Look, singles, we want to make sure that you feel a bit of the heat as well. We love you. You can say that you're exercising dominion over your house and your workplace in preparation for the future. But do the men in your workplace that are, are under you in the company, do they follow your direction? You might check your lordship and whether you relate well to your lord, whether you follow authority in this house well, and whether you take lordship over the things that God has entrusted you. Because if you can't lead a band of men, I promise you, you will never lead a woman. That's much harder. All right. We, we got to address the grandparents in the room for a second. Grandparents, where are you? Shout, yeah. Oh, yeah. What areas of dominion do you still possess that you have already traded in as not possessing them any longer? You see, when you get to be a grandparent, the mentality all around us is, man, I'm so glad that I'm done parenting. I'm a grandparent now. I get to just have fun. I get to just, you know, be the nice guy. I get to compartmentalize these kids and just give them back at the end of the day. That's not how this works, grandparents. No, no, the parents of your grandchildren are actually depending on you now more than ever as, as taking dominion over the family that you yourself have created. It is up to you to set an example for your grandchildren. It is up to you to continue to display dominion over that family, to continue to discipline as necessary, to continue to, to sow into these grandchildren as necessary. We must not make sinful allowances because you feel it's no longer your job to uphold God's lordship. Lords grow in all of the other four areas. Cultivators, saviors, sages, glory bearers. Do not be deceived into thinking that you can abdicate lordship and still do the rest of these four. Lordship is the basis for the other four. We started by referencing patriarchal power and toxic masculinity. Whether you're single in the room, you're married and raising children, or you're a grandparent, I assure you, every one of us have areas of lordship that we absolutely must pick up. Because we're going to go on with what the Lord is developing in the days ahead. And it is not possible for you to cultivate your environment, cultivate your house, or cultivate your grandchildren without having genuine lordship and upholding the standards of God. Now we want to throw this slide back on the screen for you. Dominion, when done right, leads to an exciting and powerful 
God-ordained progression. Dominion, dominion causes you to cultivate. Cultivation causes you to become a savior. Savior causes you to become a sage and finally a glory bearer. All of this begins from taking lordship over the areas that he has already called you to. When you do that, you will love what is yours. Saints, you must first grab a hold of what is in your boundary lines tonight. God is speaking to us about the future and right now about what kind of men we must become for the future. What has he already placed in your boundary lines, single men? What has he already placed in your homes, married men? What has he placed in the generations ahead of you, grandparents? Today, we have to ask God to show us how to take lordship over those areas we've neglected and make you a lord over it. What you have been given dominion over and lordship over, you will cultivate. You don't need to be worried about it. Your whole life has been spent trying to cultivate things that you had no idea how to be a lord over, which is why it hasn't worked. What you have cultivated, you will give your life for to save it time and time again. What you fight to rescue, you will work to learn more and more about applying the word growing as a sage. As you progress in these four, you will become a complete, holistic, real glory bearer of Christ's image. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 says something very interesting in light of the message tonight. It says this, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Guys, there will be no end. There will be no end to the dominion of Jesus Christ. It will increase and increase and increase and increase, and there will be no end to it until it envelops everything that we see and that we know. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Guys, we invite you. Today is the day that you begin to take hold of the Lordship that God has already given you. You need to understand it will increase and increase and increase until it envelops everything that you can see or know. But you must first take hold of what he has given you in your boundary lines. Today is the day you biblically adhere to the masculine authority Christ has granted and assigned you. It's only going to increase from this moment. So let's get what we have right and get it right right now. Every other step is dependent on this first one. Saints, Isaiah depicts our Lord and Savior as increasing in his government. If the perfect Messiah increases in government, what does it mean he had before? Less government, less lordship. But he himself is growing by the Father's power to cover the whole universe. Saints, some of you have a tendency to walk out of here and just acknowledge a couple points and think that you got the message. Others walk out of here despairing, thinking about how much you have zero lordship over. What we want you to do tonight is ask God to show you where to begin, to ask him to make it grow, to cause it to increase in your life. Don't walk out of here without deciding there's an area I will grow in my lordship. The one that God is highlighting. 
Revelation 17, 14 is what we didn't read to at the beginning of the message. They, they will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers. Saints, not only is He the King of kings and Lord of lords, He has chosen you to be with Him, chosen you to be like him chosen you to participate in his lordship on this earth as an extension of him whether it's home whether it's work whether it's your relationships with one another or like me all of the above we're going to ask you to stand as we pray now that you might stand up in an increase of his lordship an increase of your lordship as an extension of him on the earth. Not today, not tomorrow, but every day thereafter you will gain the complete, full potential of what he has called you to rule. We're not expecting this to be done in a moment. We're going after bearing the very image of God. This is a process, a fight that begins right now I will increase as you have spoken to me, Almighty God. Lift your hands with us and let's pray tonight together. Father, we thank you for the Lordship that you have already established in our lives. Tonight, we are raising up, we are lifting up, we are standing up in this Lordship, Father. We're asking tonight, Lord, that you would help us to increase our love for what you have already placed under our care. Increase our love for what you have already placed under our dominion, Father. We want to be called, chosen, and faithful followers to what you have given us, Lord God. Help us, mighty God. Help us in our Lordship, Father. Let us grow daily in this, Father, and it's your strength that we depend on. Amen.